0: The Bitcoin 2019 conference is next week in San Francisco, and we're going to be there. We really hope everyone can make it. And to prove that, we're offering $100 tickets with the promo code BMAG100. That's right. Go to Bitcoin2019conference.com now to get your tickets. Again, the code is BMAG100. Make sure you stop and say hi to Graham and I. We'll be hanging out at Podcast Row next to the entrance. Hope to see you there. What's up? This is Dave. And Graham. You're listening to the Bitcoin Magazine Podcast. We're hanging out here with Colin Harper. What's up, y'all? Associate Editor and Staff Writer for Bitcoin Magazine.
1: Just general badass. Thanks, guys. Too much credit. Too much credit.
0: (laughs) We've been waiting to talk to Colin for a while, but uh, incidentally, he does work on the other side of the office. um, So it is hard to get a hold of him. (laughs) So, uh, a long walk. Anyway, uh, we decided uh, we would get on this uh, media hype train that's going on right now uh, to bring Colin in to talk about Facebook's coin, Global Coin, now titled Libra Coin.
1: Yeah. So if you guys haven't already been uh, sufficiently slapped in the face by all the hot takes on Twitter, you're about to get a few more here. Hot takes incoming.
2: Yeah. We're uh, what? We're just the uh, 50th group to to talk about Libra. So we're a little behind schedule. I think.
1: And what's yeah. the crazy thing is like the news just dropped yesterday. Like it hasn't even been 48 hours yet. Yeah. And we're like late right now. Yeah. Like we're a little late to the party, but you know, better late than never, I guess. Honey, go get my microphone. <laughs> Facebook's launching
2: a cryptocurrency.
1: This is really, this is really important.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Colin, uh I guess it dropped this morning, your article about um, Libra coin. And basically, you're just analyzing the white paper. Can you explain sort of what you put in the article and all Yeah, of that?
1: for sure. So, um, yeah, so I hunkered down yesterday and just like basically read the white paper. Um, and it, the thing is, though, the, the technical documentation and just the documentation on all the working parts is really thorough. Like there's like the basically the like the TLDR white paper. And then within that, there are links embedded to white papers to describe all of the working parts. So it's a really dense document. There's a lot going on. But I think the main takeaways are this. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter describe it as kind of a half-baked project at this point. And I think that might be giving Facebook and all of its uh, partners a little less credit than they deserve. But there are still a lot of unanswered questions that I'm sure we'll get more clarity on as we see this project move towards an actual launch in full fruition. And that was the big takeaway that I had. And I think the other big takeaways are the fact that it's going to be something of a stable coin with a more free floating market rate. Uh, Facebook and the white paper basically says, you know, we're backing this thing with government securities and with a basket of other like currencies and assets. And because those things can fluctuate in price more than just a stable fiat currency, then the price of Libra on the free market will also have a somewhat of a free floating rate, might be a good chance for some arbitrage opportunities. And the other big thing that I took away from it, and um, other people have made this take, but I think this really is like the hot take to take away from it is what Facebook is basically introducing with this is a private consortium, basically an oligarchy for a corporate and private sector, basically central banking monetary system. Yeah, Which you, I think is really interesting.
0: Yeah, you called it a
1: corporate cartel. Yeah, it is. It's like a corporate banking cartel because so Facebook's got 27 uh, members so far in what's called the Libra Association and the Libra Association. You can think of it if any of you listening are familiar with EOS super node structure. It's a lot like that. And you have to bid a lot of money. The down payment for being a founding member was $10 million to run a node. And these nodes will route all the transactions. And they will also be charged with redeeming uh, redeeming Libra for fiat currency through verified uh, uh, resellers and also issuing uh, the Libra currency through these resellers. So what this would look like is an exchange would go to, say, like Facebook. And they say, hey, we would like to buy a million Libra tokens. They would then basically wire the funds to the bank that are holding the accounts for Facebook and Facebook would then issue the currency to that exchange to be exchanged on the open market. So it's very it's a it's, it's a very um, like guarded and kind of gatekeeped system. Um, And this is another big contradiction in the white paper is they say, you know, it is obviously permissioned. It is not permissionless like Bitcoin. And they want to down the road, make it permissionless. But I don't see how you could do that if basically the only way to run a node is to have kind of the like corporate networking, and also the basically, you know, just the funding to be able to put money into the system so that you can run a node and reap the benefits.
0: Do Do you see any sort of similarity like how Ethereum was created? Some people, some regulators considered it as starting off as a sort of a security and now it's not a security that's sort of like been one of the narratives. So do you think it's anything like that? Like it could be permissioned?
1: and then become permissionless? Maybe. I think that's entirely dependent on how it decentralizes. If it ever does, I'm of the mindset that it won't. Because, you know, with Ethereum's launch, yeah, the token issuance was completely centralized and it had to be like most ICOs or all ICOs really are. It's not like Bitcoin where Satoshi just went on, you know, the um, cryptography mailing list was like, hey, I made this thing and then open sourced the software and said, run a node. Ethereum also did that because anyone can run a node. um, Anyone can mine it. Um, And what it's looking like so far with this is that that's not the case Uh, unless you are embedded with Facebook and unless you have the connections to say, here's the money to put into the ecosystem. Um, Here's our commitment to the project. We want to run a node. Let us be a part of this. Like, you know. Your average Joe is not going to be able to do this. Now, companies might be able to do this. Like, for instance, like if we had the funding, BTC Inc. down the road might be able to get in on this. But I don't really see it being as open and permissionless as some of the more uh, public blockchains out there. So, Colin, Graham and I,
0: once upon a time, had a very profitable shell company.
2: That's right.
0: We won't uh, name it on the show, but uh, let's say, uh, you know, we were thinking about buying into this new Libra deal, you know, we wanted to join the foundation. We wanted to see at the table. What's that ten million dollar uh, purchase? What does it? What's the buy-in give us?
1: Yeah, so uh, basically, what the buy-in gives you is it gives you obviously the right to run a node, which is uh, attractive in the sense that you know you are one of the gatekeepers to the system, and you are going to be routing transactions. But well, what that gives you is, let's say that you were to purchase a $10 million stake, and that's the minimum, right? So we don't actually know how much some of these other companies might have put up. But uh, if you were a founding member, you would give Facebook, uh, or the, I should say you would give the Libra Association $10 million. That would then go into the Libra Association's budget and its um, uh, its operating coffers. And based on your stake, you would then get these things called Libra investment tokens. Yes, the the ticker is lit. Um, you would get these lit tokens. And those would entitle you to uh, dividends based on proportionally to how much of those investment tokens you hold. And those dividends come from the securities that the bank accounts uh, and the, uh, you know, corporate, the corporate bank accounts for Libra are holding. So, you know, dividends on uh, government securities, bonds, things like that. And what it also entitles you to is transaction fees. So all of these nodes will accrue transaction fees just like any other uh any other miner might in a uh, public blockchain except uh you know with this again not public and unless you're running one of those nodes you can't get those. So basically that was the long-winded explanation too long didn't read you'd get dividends from the securities and you'd also get uh transaction fees.
2: So who is Libra? Who who is this organization? Because it sounds is... like a, a like a villainous Bond organization sort of thing you'd see in a movie.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And you know, it's funny because all the most of the mainstream and the crypto press too. It's like this is still very much Facebook's baby. Like Facebook has been like planning this for a long time. They've been the ones driving the development. They're the ones developing the wallet. Um, the, the team that is building it out is endogenous to Facebook. Um, so Libra in itself. Like Facebook is definitely the figurehead, but Libra as a consortium of sorts is this Libra association, which is made up of, I think some of the partners are Visa, MasterCard, Coinbase, Zappo, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, VC firm, Uber, Lyft, Stripe, Spotify's on it, eBay, all these different, uh, you know, big tech, even some nonprofit players. And uh, they make up the Libra Association. And I think that's the bulk of what Libra is. And the plan for making it more decentralized, if you can call this more decentralized, is they want to expand that association to at least 100 members by the time Libra launches. And that's going to be sometime in 2020.
0: So the investment token lit, um, do you think that's ever going to be available on cryptocurrency exchanges?
1: I, I don't think so. I think that's going to be kind of in the same way that like private shares in a company When you get equity in a company, that's how it's traded, you know, internally within them. Then the company, I also wasn't clear about this reading the white paper, but I think those investment tokens right now, while they may be traded within, you know, the consortium between members, I think those are reserved to founding members. And what Libra plans to do in the future is if you want to run a node, then you'll just buy, you know, a shit ton of Libra and you'll stake that. And that'll basically be your commitment to the platform, it'll be you saying, you know, we're in this for the long haul, we're going to stake this Libra, we want to run a node, we want to get some dividends, and we also want to get some of the transaction fees. So basically, I think the investment token was like a way to bootstrap the network, kind of. And I've seen it compared to the same way that Maker works with the DAO system, where you have to have Maker to do the collateralized debt positions to produce DAI, seems very similar And I think going forward, it seems to me that Libra is just going to be the main token or coin that represents ownership, represents a stake within the association, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um, And also in your article, you said that the white paper was a lot of what we expected and a little bit of what we didn't expect. Can you uh, elaborate more on what What wasn't as expected that that you found in the white paper?
1: I think uh, for me personally, when everyone hears that Facebook's putting out a coin, we look at Facebook as this monolithic social network, this big tech entity. And, you know, it's been described almost even by some uh, politicians as too big to fail. So for me, I expected Libra to be wholly Facebook's baby that they were going to have complete control over. So the thing that surprised me the most, and you'll hear me come back to this a lot in this conversation is you already have in our like briefing before the podcast was this idea of this consortium is very much like the way the Federal Reserve works. You have a central reserve and then you have a network of reserve banks surrounding it. And they're the ones who coordinate monetary supply, moving of debt, um, you know, issuing new uh, issuing new currencies, all that kind of stuff or issuing new U.S. dollars, all that stuff. So that's the thing that really surprised me about it was that Facebook is making a very concerted effort here to To signal to the world, it's like we are creating Libra, like it it was born out of us, but we are trying to make it – we're trying to make sure that we don't dominate its development and its progression, right? Like for instance, the Libra Association is going to have a council where they vote on protocol upgrades. They vote on monetary – I'm
2: sorry. The Libra Council. Yeah,
1: right? (laughs) It seems – yeah, it seems very very daunting in a way, right? And it is very like – It does seem very governmental in a lot of regards. Mm -hmm. And so that Libra Association is going to be in charge of everything. And that's the other thing that surprises me is that Facebook, while it is driving the development of this thing, it's also structuring it in such a way where it's federated and where Facebook is like, no, you know, we don't have any more control or say over anyone else. They actually make that very specific in the white paper. And it also says that no member on the council will have more than a one percent will have more than 1% voting right over anyone else, um, which I think, again, that's the thing that surprised me the most. And I think, you know, there's a lot of negative things that you could say about a structure like this. Like there's very exclusionary. It's very corporate. You know, I mean, w- w- the thing that comes to mind is the idea of, you know, that the, the kind of concept of like uh, big tech's oligarchy and the fact that big tech is becoming almost like this entity that is on par with the state itself in the way that it manages user lives. But I think the positive thing to take away from this is even though these companies aren't gatekeeping it, there is an a semblance of decentralization within the structure itself. And um, so long as no entity has more voting rights over any other entity in the consortium, I think that's going to be a very, very important feature to make sure that this thing just does not become super monopolistic.
2: What are the negatives? because i know a lot of people are freaking the fuck out right now.
1: Yeah, so i think the biggest negative is the fact that it is permissioned and that it is very much um it is very much gatekept by this this kind of elitist organization in the Libra association and with its council. Um i think that is the biggest drawback in terms of where we're looking at like, you know, what is this and for cryptocurrency because if we look at the way it's structured You know, calling it a cryptocurrency is very generous. I've been calling it a digital currency because, for thinking about the kind of cryptographic security and permissionlessness and censorship resistance that Bitcoin or Ethereum gives us, you know, this does not give us the same thing. We don't know what kind of controls the Libra Council and the Libra Association will have over transactions. You know, I would imagine much like EOS or Ripple, where they can basically go back and rewrite any transaction they want without any sort of consensus um, outside of, you know, that hub of, elite node operators, I think Libra will be able to do something similar. Um, So I think that's probably the biggest drawback. Yeah. um, Coming back to what you're saying, kind of from a different angle,
0: um, what kind of competition do you think this creates?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, I think, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. I do not think, and a lot of people have said this, this is not competing with Bitcoin. Um, I don't even think it's competing with Ethereum, even though it does have smart contract capabilities. And the reason I say that, for the same reason I say it's not competing with Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is an open system, anyone can use, uh, very censorship resistant, and does exist outside of the realm of surveillance by a mass organization. It's the same thing with like Ethereum, you know, if you can create smart contracts on Libra, that's great. But it's not going to give you the same kind of, I created the smart contract, and no one, including myself, can control this. It is now up to the network to decide how it evolves, how people use it. No one can stop people from using it. You know, Libra probably we'll have some sort of vetting system for what smart contracts get built and approved on the platform. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to, I don't know if you guys remember the uh like the um what was it called Uh proof of weak hands, like all of those Ethereum Ponzi schemes back during the bull market, like all of these like weird smart contracts showed up where people were pouring money into Ethereum and they were basically faucets and Ponzi schemes where you'd get like these crazy returns and half the time, the smart contract got drained by whoever created it, right? Because they put a back door in. But you know, you're not going to see that kind of that kind of junk being created on this because Libra is going to very much be guarding, you know, what gets built, the development. And like for instance, um, they say that it's open sourced, but Jameson Lop went on the Libra open source GitHub, and basically what he said is it amounts to an API where you can make pull requests to the Libra Association. But you know. With Bitcoin, someone makes a pull request, people in the development community um, are like, hey, that's a good pull request. And there's consensus about implementing it. There won't be anything like that there. Like, you know, the smartest. It's like a suggestion box. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. That's a great comparison. And, you know, Libra will be in charge of taking the suggestion seriously or just saying, no, that's that's crap. We don't want that in here.
0: Yeah. And so we're we're talking a lot about um, different cryptocurrencies. But you also mentioned um, the fact that it has the Libra Reserve, which sounds a lot like the Federal Reserve. I mean, they're essentially modeling it off of that, it sounds like. So how do you feel about um, the competition that might take place between the Libra Foundation or Libra and other currencies and other governments.
1: Right. And so I'm glad you actually circled back to that because that's the main competitor that I think Libra is positioning themselves against is is the legacy financial system in a different way than Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin is positioning itself against the monetary mode and that's what Satoshi intended. Um but it's very much it's more anarchic and obviously it's completely divorced from it. Um you know in Bitcoin and, Bitcoin's more yes. anarchic. Yeah. And uh and you know in the Libra white paper, Libra says um, unlike other cryptocurrencies, we back Libra. A uh, Libra has intrinsic value because it holds these government securities and it holds these basket of assets. And obviously, you know, for us Bitcoiners, intrinsic value is completely subjective because, like, what gives those things value except people within those jurisdictions saying this is legal tender? I can trade this for goods and services. Um, so I think what that does in having that Libra reserve is Facebook and Libra. Is basically saying, you know, we're holding these assets. We're creating a token out of it. But this token, while it is built on the backbone of the previous financial system, it doesn't have the same friction, and it doesn't have the same, um, it doesn't have the same processes that make that 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 current financial system so cumbersome for so many people that they're targeting. You know, Libra's is making waxing poetic about you know, banking, the unbanked and all that stuff. And I think it will do that. I mean, this will be easier to use than traditional bank wires. Payments will clear a lot faster. And I think in that way, you know, central private banks first and then central banks, if this thing takes off, we'll be feeling heat, you know? I mean, why at that point, if the currency is stable and I know I can trade it for US dollars and everyone accepts this and it's as easy as going through Facebook Messenger to pay my buddy and, you know, you know, halfway across the world for something, it's going to be so much easier than even using something I think like Venmo, which is already easy to use because it's endogenous to things that we use to communicate every day. Right. You know, if I have the opportunity to just send my buddy 20 bucks for a burger on messenger, as opposed to Venmo, you know, there's one less app that I have to go through. Um, so yeah, I think banks and this has been probably the hottest take out of, out of you know, all of the things that have been thrown around Twitter and on media Is that this thing is, and I can't emphasize this enough, I mean, this is we are seeing the rise of private corporate banking that exists partly in tandem with the banking system, but is also trying to separate itself from it. And I think that also raises interesting questions for, you know, let's say cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin do affect a kind of hyper Bitcoinization scenario where, you know, fiat currencies start to falter. Well, where does that leave Libra? And I think that's another interesting kind of line of inquiry because a lot of people have said, "Well, if that happens, then the only logical, the only logical uh, move at that point is to back Libra with other cryptocurrencies."
0: Yeah. So, do you think big governments can allow something like this?
1: Well, you know, we're already kind of seeing some pushback. It's funny how quickly regulators, because Facebook has such a tainted reputation for managing user privacy. I mean, in the United States, people are still not getting over the Cambridge Analytica thing. And that's just compounded by the fact that Facebook, you know, basically let an army of of Russian intelligence agents, you know, run these massive uh, operations where they were basically catfishing people into joining these groups to radicalize them towards, you know, either nationalist sentiment or like far right sentiment. Um, And I think that because of all of those things, they have a, Facebook has is in a very tenuous situation with regulators and with governments. They don't trust them, and the the thing that I've seen we have an article coming out on this actually later today. The thing that I've seen is that uh, Bruno Le Maire, France's minister of finance. Yeah, uh, basically came out immediately because I think he was the first one to really say something about it. The French. Yeah. the Fr- Hey, man, the, the French, first the French, the French do not want this. They said uh, he said is out of the question that Libra can be adopted as a sovereign currency. It cannot and must not happen. And one of the main problems was this privacy question. Right. Which I think is what a lot of people have, too. And Marcus uh, David Marcus, which is the project lead for Libra and Facebook in the white paper, makes it very clear that Calibra, the wallet that will manage all the transactions, is a is a completely divorced subsidiary from Facebook, and they will not co-mingle private user data with financial user data. And they even say that through your Libra, you'll be able to uh, manage multiple synonymous wallets and accounts. We'll see if that holds up. And uh, I think the main problem with regulators, like I said, with a lot of us, is this issue of privacy. Uh, you know, Maxine Waters, Democratic... Uh, House representative out of California basically came out yesterday and said Facebook needs to halt uh all development on Libra so that regulators and officials and politicians can digest this, see what this is about. She's gotten support for some other congressmen and women, uh basically saying we need another hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, bring Zuckerberg back in for round two, kind of grill him over it. Yeah, he's looking over us right here in the podcast. <laughs> There's room. our Zuck flag. <laughs> but um
2: for those who can't see, it's a flag of uh, Zuckerberg drinking a glass of water at his hearing. What, he, what was that six months ago? Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Uh, over uh, all of the the Russia stuff. And yeah. yeah, I mean he's he's definitely he he he's he's pounding that water because he does not like what he's being asked. And I think, you know, I think for this, I think Facebook probably had to know what they were doing when they did this. Like they knew it was going to be a regulatory battle, and they knew it was going to be an uphill climb. And I've seen yeah, like,
2: why now? Like, especially after all the privacy stuff. Like yeah. Why right now? And right before the 2020 campaign.
1: Too. Yeah, for sure. I saw Nick Carter say that he was basically saying on Twitter, it's like they couldn't have picked a worse time to launch this. Totally.
0: But in some ways, couldn't it be the best time to do it? I mean, I, I'm thinking about Justin Sun with uh, the Warren with, Buffett launch. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's he he's probably aware that a lot of people in the community don't like him and don't like his project. How do you change that? You do some larger, th- big move that'll make you look. So you're like saying it's you're... like
2: a, a PR move. I
0: it... mean, not just that, but I think I think I think in some ways, right, doing it right now. Because I mean, this is something we haven't talked about: is the p- potential for what uh, what Libra Coin could
1: do. Yeah, right. And I think, but I do think that that's like a good point. You know, right now, you know, Bitcoin's potentially starting the accumulation phase of a new bull market. Justin son's doing that dinner with Warren Buffett. Um, you have all of these like exciting news bits that the mainstream media is now picking up and putting back out. They didn't really touch Bitcoin for a long time, except to say like, ha it's dead. Told you so. <laughs> right. Um, And so I think that it is a pretty opportune time to do something like this in terms of like, you know, they are riding on the waves of a lot of excitement in the industry. A lot of people are really bullish right now. And to Graham's point, you know, um, it kind of is a PR move in the sense that, you know, now Facebook and this consortium are basically, I mean, Maxine Waters said in her statement, regulators have been quiet for too long on the subject of cryptocurrencies. And this is kind of, I mean, Libra is brandishing a hot poker and just sticking it in their asses yeah, and saying, "Yeah, forcing their hand." Yeah, sure. and they're saying, "Hey, you know, we're doing this thing, and you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna address it, you know, cool, let's talk about it." And they're gonna have to because it's 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 the biggest social media network in the world. What
2: is it like? They have like one point. It's like one point something Facebook accounts. I can't remember. Oh, one uh, point 1. 1.
1: seven million. It's like it's like nearing 7 billion, two, billion, yeah, right? billion, yeah, billion. Yeah, it's like de- It's like nearing two billion. And that's insane. Yeah. And that's just too big to like, you're like, that's too big to ignore, like the largest social media network in the world and partner and partnerships with some of the largest companies in the world are now saying we're going to issue our own currency. And, you know, I think that in terms of getting regulators to finally start thinking about how to regulate, how to protect investors, I think that that's a very good thing that Facebook's going to do now, whether or not we want Facebook to be the face of the industry that's another question entirely, and I think that that's very much up for debate. Like, is Zuckerberg a good like he's whether or not we like it, he's become the new poster child for cryptocurrency representation within the mainstream.
2: Well, and you know what's scary is you know that Facebook is going to incentivize people to do it. Where it's like, hey, like yeah. get grandma to buy a hundred Libra, right. and we'll give you like a hundred free. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. Like, let's everybody just like jump in and you know people don't give a shit about their privacy no. they don't really give a shit about their money either mm-hmm. no, uh, that's, that's a good gonna point. be it's gonna be crazy if like billions of people are just like ah screw it fine like let's all just jump in yeah like, exactly what happens then like obviously there's issues with privacy online and our identities and, and you know our activity online what happens when all that financial information is open
1: yeah and i think that's the other really scary thing um especially when you consider like i saw um Udi, uh, weather, weather mayor. I can't, I don't know what his last name is. Oh, a day might now. Some so he's, he's a uh, Udi weather. What's his last name? Uh,
0: is it like JT weatherman?
1: No, I don't. Anyway, I, I don't know what his last name, but you guys know who I'm talking about. Probably he went on Facebook. Uh, he went on Twitter and basically said, you know, like, and I didn't see anything of, about this in the technical documentation. So I don't know if he's right, but basically saying that like there's not going to be like a traditional block explorer for this. So like you can't really like only the Libra nodes from what he would seem to, he was insinuating that only the Libra nodes will be able to actually like have a like, coherent list of transactions and be able to verify them. And so like none of it. They'll,
2: they'll for sure share it with everybody else in their foundation.
1: Yeah. And see, that's that that's the big fear, too, is it's like, you know, you're basically sacrificing you could be sacrificing your own ability to publicly verify transactions for yourself and the entire network. You're sacrificing that to a consortium of of gatekeepers who will know everything. And like you were saying, what are they going to do with that information? Now, Libra has made it very clear that they're not going to commingle private data on Facebook and this financial information. But does that really even matter? Like if if these companies know what you're spending your money on, if they know how you're spending your money, what services you like, this could open up a Pandora's box for financial transactions or for like analyzing financial transactions and targeting ads in a way that you know the microphone were on your phone where you're talking about like a new pair of shoes and you see an ad about vans it's like you know that's that's a different animal than oh we saw that you went to the van outlet in opry mills and spin it yeah Yeah. and so you're going to start seeing you could potentially see completely different ad targeting and like you said graham like most people don't give a fuck about privacy they don't care about it um and they're not going to really think about that when they're transacting because right now with our current system, you know, uh, it's not perfect, but really, only you and your bank know where your money's going, and your bank is not selling or sharing that information with anyone. They have no incentive to. They have no reason to.
2: They want to keep you at their bank.
1: Exactly. They don't yeah. want to. They don't want to piss you off and screw you over. But in a realm of, and in, in, you know, the modern digital panopticon that we find ourselves in, with something like this. This consortium, of this consortium, this Libra Association, will have all of this information. It's all out there. It's digitized. They're going to be able to see it, and they're going to be able to find ways to monetize it that the current system doesn't allow because it's just so hyper-connected.
2: Monetize it. They're, they're going to make a bunch of Libra and go buy
1: Bitcoin. And not to mention- That's just,
2: Zuckerberg's big move. <laughs> everybody's money. And it's like, like, oh, man, buy all the, oh, the
1: Winklevoss bought like 100K <laughs> back in 2013. I'm missing the boat. Oh, easy. Yeah.
2: He, yeah. But then he's going to do the 51% attack. That's his whole plan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention just like it opens the potential for back doors upon back doors. But another thing that's been talked about a little bit, if you go to the org website, there's a picture of, I believe, a Nigerian woman. Um, and it's it looks to me like Africa. And a lot of people are speculating over whether or not this is an Africa play. Now, Facebook is pretty much censored out of Russia, China, everyone in the U S who's aware of them does not like them. They think they're tainted for the kind of privacy things they've done, Mm -hmm. privacy rights that they have violated. Um, a lot of people see Libra as an attempt for Facebook to grow and develop in Africa.
2: Yeah. So I I need to buy Africa. (laughs) Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Getting there, getting there. So like, yeah, I, um, That is very much the kind of like if the Libra white paper has a hook, Dave, Dave, that's kind of what they're going for. You know, like I said earlier, waxing poetic about banking the unbanked, Um, you know, in, in the coverage that I've done over the cryptocurrency industry, I always come across this idea that there are lots of people in Africa that bank using their cell phones. Um, yeah. There are some cryptocurrency solutions like mcoin that are trying to do this for them, help them like send, send M-Coin and Bitcoin and stuff over these text messages. And so it's a place.
0: BitPesa or m Yeah, M-Pesa. yeah
1: M-Pesa exactly. A
0: Bitcoin company, but m is the they're sort of like non-crypto digital currency that's used a lot in parts of Eastern Africa.
1: Yeah. And like, so I think that is a place that's ripe for disruption for something like this. And I'd have to imagine that, you know, a lot of these people in Africa, if they don't have a smartphone, they have a phone with some capabilities towards that. A lot of them, you know, smartphones are cheap. In the Libra white paper, it says, you know, you can buy a smartphone with the capabilities that you need it for, for something like this, for $40. And um, to your point, I think that they really are targeting some of those underdeveloped countries for making banking a lot easier for them. And, you know, I think this is where some of the positives do come in, you know. We can talk about how it's highly centralized, it's permissioned, you know, it's uh, it's a completely elitist and very uh, oligarchic system. But if it provides on rails to a financial system that is more efficient than the one that we have right now and bank some of these people, I think that is a net positive. And ultimately, if we're looking at it from the libertarian sentiment of providing monetary instruments that are divorced from state power, this is a pretty cool thing like I'm still on the fence of it like I yeah. think this is amazing I think this is like you know this might be hyperbolic but I think in the 21st century this is one of this is going to be written in the history books as one of the most important developments for the evolution of monetary policy as we know it
0: sure sure it's completely different it's I mean it's alien to us and again at this point we're just speculating about all this but let's say uh Facebook's plan is Libra's plan is to go into Africa and bank the unbanked to I would aside. Now, I just want to ask a quick question. Um, So did
1: do you need a bank to use Libra or can you use Libra no. as your bank? You can use Libra as your bank. And that's kind of like the whole appeal. You know, I think we were talking earlier. I need someone to verify this. So if any of you out there are listening and you're like, no, Colin, you got that wrong. Let me know. But tweet us. yeah, tweet at us um, <clears throat> at me, please Um, for things like PayPal and Venmo. I've heard people say that you don't actually need a bank account to receive payments on the platform and to send them. Obviously, you need it to withdraw those payments if you get them. Um, I don't know how true that is, though. Um, And those things are still tethered in some way to the legacy financial system. But for something like Libra, I mean, you're basically you're going to be using Calibra, the wallet to hold all of your currency and you're going to be using it to transfer. I don't know what kind of custody solutions they have, like, you know, people might be a little scared to hold all their money. They might have something where there's like kind of like a Calibra bank where you can put your money into and then have like some funds, like kind of like, like a, a saving. Yeah. Like a vault. And then you like, you'll have your checkings account on your phone have your savings somewhere else. But no, I think from what I understand is that to like redeem Libra for, for cash, you're just going to go to one of the resellers, which are licensed exchanges and OTC desks that have signed up with the Libra association and are completely vetted by the association so all of this is going to be done through the Calibra app and through those exchanges. So, and you know, besides the fact that obviously the entire financial system is underpinned by, you know, assets in a bank account somewhere and in an account that is attached to the Libra Association, your average user is never going to interact with a bank if they're using this.
0: Right. And, and that makes me think, too, if they're trying to bank the unbanked, there's going to be, you know, billions of people who are going to suddenly be having access to their all their financials on their phone which like just the the implications of remembering your password is crazy and like the opportunities for hackers
2: everybody needs phones first i mean we're talking about like some really like bad parts of the world yeah and that's like yeah terribly in debt and in poverty
1: yeah for sure and that's like the most of the like text message based digital currencies in africa like they work on nokia's like you know they're working on flip phones Um, Calibra will not do that. And it, by design, it can't. So that is, you know, a good point, Graham, that would be an adoption hurdle. But I think that if you have enough people with smartphones, the interesting thing about this is like the network effect for this is crazy. I mean, like, like we were saying earlier, nearly 2 billion people with Facebook accounts, you know, all it takes is a few employers in some of these countries to be like, Hey, we use, like, we're putting our payroll payroll on Libra now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're now getting your paycheck deposited to your phone every week on your Calibra account. Or, or what
0: about the, the idea of, I mean, the way most cryptocurrencies onboard people in the beginning is they try and, you know, they'll, they'll airdrop yeah. uh, money. So what happens then when suddenly everybody has... To Libra coins,
1: yeah, I think that you'll probably see something like that. You mentioned that earlier, Graham. Like, I, I could, like, I think a referral system is very, like, I mean, that's very common. Like, Lolly has one. Mm-hmm. Um, to give a mainstream example, like Instacart for Publix and Kroger, like they have referrals. Like, Lyft has referrals. Everything's got referrals. And I also, like you were saying, Dave, could see an airdrop. Like, Libra is going to have millions of dollars in there. You know potentially billion dollars in their coffers by the time this thing launches and you know what what's it to them if they just say oh yeah hey like if you install the Libra calibra wallet you know we're gonna send you ten dollars worth of libra have
2: you guys heard of the house money effect Mm-mm. it's it basically just says like people people are more likely to spend more if they don't have like a connection with the money so it's like it's the casino thing of like oh you're, this is house money feel free to go bet people are gonna uh, go wild with it yeah and it's similar with like um, uh, like digital platforms. Yeah, like you're more likely to be like, ah, screw it. I only have a hundred bucks in there. I might as well buy my yeah. tennis shoes or whatever. Like, but that's real money. Yeah, but like there's this disconnection with our because you didn't do anything to
1: earn it. Exactly. Yeah, it was given to you. It's like like Lyft credit. Like, oh wow, I just got like before Lyft and Uber did their IPOs, they were giving everyone like twenty dollar credits. Right. And like I right. got that, and like you were saying, I was incentivized one day. Where I wouldn't usually take a lift. I was like, oh, I got this free money. I'm just taking lift Twenty yeah. bucks a lift? That'll take well, yeah.
2: a, a long way. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember the last time I spent twenty dollars on a lift. So Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It just, I just this whole Africa thing to me seems like smoke and mirrors. And it's like, yeah. oh like, no, look how like look how good we are. Yeah. Look at this like awesome thing that we're thinking of. and, and really it's like how do we get people to spend more money? Yeah, it's, yeah very, totally.
1: it's very much a virtue signaling thing. I mean, like they want to cloak this as a philanthropic thing because it makes them look good. And that's mm-hmm. why partly totally. partly why they have a few nonprofits on there. And like to kind of round out uh, the discussion of, you know, this the adoption in Africa, I think it ultimately probably could help those unbanked populations and around the world. Like you were saying, Graham, though, there are still very significant hurdles. If Facebook's smart, they'll get project teams from those countries who understand the problems and or like can relate to the local populations who you know, aren't just sitting in their ivory towers in Silicon Valley and can say, "This is a good thing for these countries. Right. But I think immediately, the people who are going to benefit from this most, like most technical advancements, is going to be the first world. It's going to be the Western world, you know? Totally. Um, it's going to be your bros going out for drinks, people are going to send each other Libra. Uh, you know, oh, I don't have my I don't have my phone with me. Can I get you back later? I don't have my like visa with me. Can I get you back on Libra? Um, and I think that you're going to start seeing people in America and Europe and westernized world start using this more. And before some of the African countries I, and uh, some of the other unbanked populations, I could be completely wrong about that. But that's that's kind of my like gut reaction. Uh, just thinking about what it's going to look like when this thing starts, you know, when this thing is like, you know, launched and getting off the ground.
0: And I actually heard this on another uh, podcast, Coin Talk. But if you imagine this world to like where does that put bitcoiners mm. in this world? Yeah, I Which think like very interesting because you know Bitcoin's obviously going to be that thing that's going to allow for more human rights. In, like, transacting.
2: Bitcoin already had that message of, like, oh, this can bank the unbanked. And now is right. like, swooping in, and, like, they have, yeah. like, this team, like, this elite team that's yeah. like, no, we're actually going to fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing is, like,
1: you know, like, they're definitely hijacking the narrative. And uh, Dan Held actually had a <clears throat> sound bit about this on Block TV. You know, he said uh, this doesn't interfere with Bitcoin's use case at all because he's very much on the on the mindset of Bitcoin is gold 2.0 yeah. you know it's 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 a it is a uh, stateless uh, store of value that is censorship resistant everyone can hold it everyone no one can tell you what you can or can't do with it um, I'm of the mindset that as we start seeing more adoption you know you're gonna start seeing things like lightning Network become feasible to actually use as payments people sometimes call me like a heretic for this. Cause like, Oh, why would you spend your Bitcoin, man? It's like, Oh, don't tell me how to spend my Bitcoin. I'll do whatever I want with it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think this leaves Bitcoin still where it is. Cause you know, Bitcoin right now the the narrative really has changed from digital cash that you can spend anywhere to digital cash that you can maybe spend if everyone is on board in the transaction, you know, you can find a place to spend it, but really it's better just as a deflationary asset, as a hedge against, Volatility in other markets, and also, ironically, volatility in other markets, and also currency debasement. Um, I, you know, I could see something like this threatening Bitcoin's long-term viability as a payment option because with something like this, it's just going to be so seamless. You know, like the network effect, the fact that the largest companies in in the international scene are helping bootstrap this. It's just going to be so much easier for people to use something like this than it is for them to use Bitcoin. And that's part of the, uh, but that's also part of where the trade-offs come in. It's easier to use because it's going to be faster because it's centralized. They're going to use a proof of stake model probably for um, definitely for uh, confirming transactions. Um, It's going to be really easily integrated with things that you already have in your daily life, like your Facebook messenger, things like that. They're going to integrate it with WhatsApp. So
2: user experience is huge. Yeah. user. I mean, it's it's going to be,
1: it's going to be a better user experience than Bitcoin, but you know, And this is the kind of like cypherpunk dystopian view. You know, when governments come knocking to tear this thing down, which they could, it's going to be very easy to dismantle. You know, for them to dismantle Bitcoin, it would take billions of dollars of resources and a coordinated effort to try to destroy it. And even then, you're only taking down the network for a a few minutes, maybe 30 minutes. Um, But that would cost a lot of money. You know, Bitcoin is extremely resilient something like this is going to be extremely fragile.
0: Yeah, and that's what, that's why I think it seems interesting uh for what Libra's done and could do. It it, it positions Bitcoin in, in an interesting place where, you know, the people who are holding on to Bitcoin are mostly at this point first world people who who you know, have access to everything they need and sort of the privilege to take advantage of, you know, something like Privacy rights to risk their money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's a very interesting thing because suddenly Bitcoiners, you know, might be sort of like put in another place. Like they might become the elites. I don't know.
2: Right. But what's exciting, and I think I might have overheard you, Colin, actually talking about this, is that it's just a big onboarding ramp. Yeah. For people to get into Bitcoin when they realize how fragile Libra is and they're like, you know what? I really don't like Facebook. But I I think this Bitcoin thing, I kind of feel more comfortable with it now that I've like sort of like tested the waters with this other thing.
1: Yeah. And I think that it will be I think that it will be good for greasing the kind of entryway into the cryptocurrency industry, because, you know, a lot of people still see Bitcoin if the, at worst they see it as a scam and at best they see it as a like very risky um, very volatile asset that is just it's outside of the risk appetite for a lot of people. But once you start seeing these big companies say, oh, we're behind this crypto thing, too, it's pretty cool. They're going to start researching Bitcoin and they're going to start hopefully seeing the differences between Libra and Bitcoin, see why they are completely on the opposite end of the spectrum for what they provide and start digging into some of those features that make Bitcoin so palatable and so attractive to a lot of the people like us, to a lot of the coiners who hold it. Um, the other thing that I think could be interesting is, you know, this idea that once they start seeing those, those, uh, they start seeing those benefits, they're going to start seeing, you know, someone, I think, uh, Michael Tyberg and that's for our, us listeners, one of our coworkers said one of his buddies texted him was like, Hey, so I know you talk about that Bitcoin thing all the time. I just saw this Libra thing. I think I'm going to invest in it. Well, that's funny to us because it's like it's a stable coin, you know, <laughs> right. um, unless you're day trading it and arbitraging you. it. <laughs> yeah, unless you're like doing something like that, you're not going to make any money off of this. People could look at Bitcoin as opposed to Libra and say, OK, I use Libra for my payments. But if I want to invest in something and hold my wealth, you know, sure. Bitcoin is a great vessel for that, um, especially if it continues, you know, continues these bull runs and these kind of parabolic, uh, these parabolic rises and then these slumps and things like that. And the last thing I think that would be interesting going back to something I said earlier was, you know, if we do start seeing fiat economies faltering, if all the stuff that Ron Paul has been preaching about since the 70s ends up coming to fruition where, you know, rapid debasement happens and states lose control over their monetary policy, you know, I think that the only logical explanation for Libra to survive in that scenario is to use cryptocurrencies to back its reserve. And, you know, so I think that ultimately Libra can coexist with Bitcoin. Um, It's just going to offer a completely different user experience.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the interesting thing about Libra, too, is the fact that it's a basket of of currencies. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, right now, at least, it's relying on the, you know, the value and volatility of all these government issued currencies.
1: Yeah. And it's hilarious. I mean, we're going back to the. It's not the gold standard, but it's what the gold standard was. You know, you have something backing the currency that you issue. Um, And like you were saying with that basket, the interesting thing about that is right now they're backing it with fiat assets in the future. You know, they could back it with anything they wanted to. And that's the beautiful thing about tokenization is it gives us the opportunity to create things that represent value elsewhere. You know, I don't think you'll see something like this, but I mean, you could theoretically have a basket of assets like gold, real estate, uh, Bitcoin, you know, stocks, if you wanted to, and that could all collateralize the, uh, the issuing of the actual token. You know, I don't think they'll ever get that. I don't think they'll ever get to that point with like things like stocks and stuff, but I think there's a very conceivable future where they do return to some harder assets, like crypto assets, like Bitcoin, to make sure that this thing actually has some price stability because, you know, people think that people think that their fiat currencies and that their government issue currencies are very trustworthy. They're very stable. Um, and in a lot of regards compared to other assets, they are, but the kind of slow debasement that inflation afflicts on these types of things, um, you know, it, it it can get to the point where it just spirals out of control. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, we've seen it in Venezuela, Venezuela used to have the healthiest economy of any Latin American country. Now it's the worst. Um, and following world war one, um, the Reichsmark, lost value upwards of, you know, 300% every day. People were using it to wallpaper their walls. People don't think that can happen to their currency, but it's it's very possible. Those are all the questions I have. Colin, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, y'all.
2: Yeah, thanks, Colin. Uh, you can find Colin's article on bitcoinmagazine.com. And uh, Colin, when's your next one come out? Is that today?
1: Uh, yeah, so I have, uh, it might actually be it's probably going through editorial right now. It'll probably be published later today just like regular uh regulatory and political reactions to it. People kind of clambering, uh world governments and officials clambering for it to be kind of curtailed and stuff like that. Also, not related to Libra, also got something coming out on uh Lightning Networks or sorry, Lightning Labs new mobile wallet for Android and iOS, non-custodial, very uh definitely recommend y'all to check it out if you want a payment system that is completely censorship resistant and not like Libra.
2: Very cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, if you have any comments on Libra or anything we've talked about today, uh, tweet us at Bitcoin Magazine and uh, we'll tweet you back. Until then, we'll see you next time.